Because I believe if we understood who Jesus is, that we would live differently. Come that on. we would approach Him differently. That our mentality toward Him would be different. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so when I recognize that Jesus is King, that He came to be our King, it brings me back to Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2 is, there's many scriptures throughout uh, throughout the Old Testament that give prophetic voice to the coming Messiah, the coming one of, that would bring hope. Uh, but this particular scripture brings about the idea of his kingship, which really is profound. Uh, just reading in verse 6 and 7 says, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion. Wow. This is God saying, I have, I have installed my king in Zion. Well, that's powerful. To think that God himself has appointed. Now look, Israel had chosen a king, right? Israel had, in, in, in the desire, going away from God's desire, had chosen a king and God allowed them to choose a king, Saul. But when we see this, that God himself has said, I have installed, it's something deeper, something profound. It's the sovereign, almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, who said, I have declared, I have, I have installed, I have established my king upon Zion. It goes on in verse 7, it says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. I don't know about you, but when God says something, when he installs something, when he establishes something, it's not to be refuted. Come on. It's not to be denied. It cannot, it cannot hold water because nothing else, nothing else can stand up to that. Nothing else can compare to that. Nothing else can qualify for that kingship but Christ himself. Nothing can bring competition to. In other words, they have tried over and over to dethrone him in their words and trying to deny him, but he's still the king of glory. He's still on the throne this morning. He's still the king of kings. He is the Christ. Amen. 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 I'm reminded also of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Think about that. There will be no end. In other words, it is an eternal kingship. It is a kingship that cannot be denied. It is eternal and it is growing and increasing on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from, the, from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Wow. So when I think of him being installed, I, I'm reminded and I'm going back to his, his very birth. And thinking of how that was portrayed and how uh, the people responded to that. From the very moment that when Mary heard that uh, the angel came to her and, and told her, he said, you favored one. He called her the favored one. And, and he said that you would be the mother of the most high. Think about that. Women, I don't know about you, but uh, you know, men, men, we don't even want the desire to think about having a, a baby. I mean, God's ladies. But to think that the angel of the Lord shows up into your room and says that you are going to be the mother of the Most High. Wow, that's powerful. To think that 
I mean, the shock that she felt, the the idea of of her being considered worthy enough to be called such a thing as the favored one, the appointed one, the blessed one. And, and yet, in her mind, she says, how can that be possible? In the PG version, because I've never known a man. And, and she says, how can that be possible? He said, because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And, and I don't know about you, but if I hear some good news, guess what i got to do? Go tell it on the mountain. Right? If I get good, I'm not a good secret keeper. Because I just, I just get excited about good news, right? I get excited when good things are happening. I get excited so, you know, I have to lock myself away and throw away the key because I just got to tell somebody. Well, Mary's like, who can I tell? Because if I tell somebody, uh, this is probably not going to be good for my relationship with my husband that I'm betrothed to or my, the man I'm betrothed to because... If he finds out I'm pregnant, he might not want to be with me no more because he might think something ill, right? So guess what she does? She goes and tells Elizabeth, right? She spends about three months with Elizabeth. She goes and tells Elizabeth. And this is what happens. As soon as the words come out of her mouth, the Spirit of the Lord comes on her. And even John the Baptist, which was in her womb, leaps inside of her. Think about that, man. Even before Jesus was even out of the womb, he was already impacting people. Come on. He was already filling people with the presence and power of God. The Holy Spirit came upon her. Wow. And then I think about the shepherds. Can you imagine just at your job, you know, because they were shepherds, but you think of your job, right? Whether it be Walmart or whether it be, you know, whatever the school you're working at or whatever, the truck you're driving or whatever, right? Can you imagine if you're sitting there at your job and the angel of God shows up at Denzo on aisle whatever you're on and, and, and you're like, what? What would you do? How would you respond? I mean, wow. Blow your mind. The angel of God shows up in your place, whether it be blackberry or blueberry or whatever. And so here they are, the angel of the Lord shows up and declares to them in Luke chapter 2. Right? Verse 11 says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the King. Now, now you've heard me say this before, but I want to reiterate this, that the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It wasn't Mary and Joseph Christ, and they had Jesus Christ, right? It, it wasn't that way. Christ literally is a transliteration of the Anointed One, the Messiah, and so therefore, in in Psalms chapter 2 when he says, I have set my king, the Messiah. The word used there for king is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Messiah, which now is in Greek is the Christo, and he is the Christ, right? So he is what they're saying is a savior is born. He is the king. Come on, somebody. He's the king. He, who is the king, the Lord. Right. 
So here they are. They've been in anticipation waiting on this prophetic word to come about for all these years. And they're at their job. And all of a sudden the Lord shows up as the angels, of the angels show up. And now they're declaring, guess what? The thing you've been waiting on, the prophetic word that you've been longing for for all these years, the hope of glory has just showed up. The Savior, the King of the Lord, has showed up. He's been born in Bethlehem. Now, I don't know about you, but what would you do? Well, what they did was they hurried and ran to the place where Mary was. Now, look, I'm not talking about a president being born. I'm not talking about any old king. I'm talking about a king that is eternal, that has been prophesied about, has been born. And, and, and not only that, the Bible says in that same uh, chapter, just below that, it says, and the host of the Lord shows up. Come on. As after that declaration, the host comes and they begin to declare, to declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he has whom he is pleased. Now, you've got to realize the host showed up, right? And what is Jesus called? Jesus is the Lord of the host. So here he is, Jesus, the one who has is, is from eternity to eternity, has now been born on earth. He's been the Lord of hosts for as long as they know, as long as they can remember. And now they recognize that he's been born on the earth. And so therefore they have showed up and, and they have declared glory to God in the highest. Now, I don't know about you, but once again, go tell them on the mountain. I got to tell somebody. So they go and, and, they, and, and, they, and they make their way to this place where Mary and Joseph are, and they find themselves in a, in a place in a manger, a manger, a, a feeding trough. The king of glory is in a feeding trough, a humble place. And, and they begin to declare that what the angel had told them. And the Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. She, she took them in because she remembered that the angel came to her. And the angel told her that this would happen. The angel told her that she would be the favorite one. The angel told her that she would be the mother of the Most High. And here, all these things are taking place. Eight days later, they have to make their way to the temple. And as they make their way to the temple for, for, to present him, after having a time of cleansing and time of purification, they go and, and they find themselves in Luke chapter 2, 25 to 35, they find themselves in front of a man called Simeon. And, and, and when I think of this guy, I mean, this guy is someone who has been waiting for years at the temple. I mean, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, think about this, Verse 26, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed one, the Lord's king, right? And so here he is, he's at the temple, and as soon as Jesus came in, the Spirit filled the place, and, and, and he begins to look, and, and it just like it leaps out of him and says, whoa, wait a minute. This is the child. This is the one. This is the king. This is the, this is the one that I've been waiting on. This is the one that you've declared. And this is what he says in verse 29. He says, Now, Lord, you are, rele you, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For, you, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light of, of, of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He says, Look. This thing that you have promised me, this thing that you have revealed to me by the Holy Spirit, 
that I will not see death until I see the Messiah, I'm released from that. Because my eyes have seen the anointed one. My eyes have seen the king. My eyes have seen the glorious one. And then he goes on and begins to bless uh, Mary and Joseph, Mary his mother. He says, behold, in verse 34, behold, the child is appointed. Come on. Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. Think about that now. Think about that. He's appointed for the rise and the fall of many in Israel and, and a sign to be opposed. Now, I know that Christianity is not opposed, is it? Over the years, Christianity has been fought at every corner. Every domineering leader has opposed Christianity. Every dynasty has opposed the idea that there's a king above themselves. Come on. And so therefore, here he is. He's now prophesying over them. But then there's this other lady in there. Her name's Anna or Hannah. And, 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 and she's, you know, a widow. She'd been married for seven years. And, and after her husband died, she literally gave herself to the temple. Every single day she spent in the temple. Every, all hours she was there seeking the face of God. She was considered a prophetess. And in the middle of that prophet, in that moment, when, when Simon, Simeon begins to see all this, it says in verse 38, at the very moment, or at that, at that very hour, she came up and began to give thanks to God and continue to speak of Him, being the Christ, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but there's a whole lot of people looking for redemption. Amen. There's a whole lot of people searching for something, searching and longing for, for the presence of God, and they don't even know what they're looking for. They're looking for some type of relief. They're looking for some type of answer that will bring a fulfilling. And they don't realize that God made us with a spiritual hole inside of us. And the only way it can be filled is through the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ filling that hole. Come on. I mean, we're not like a little animal that, that just walks around with no sense of spirituality. We are different. And we have a sense of spirituality and a longing for something bigger and greater than us. There's a reason why uh, our societies want to reach for the stars. There's a reason why we're developing projects to go to Mars and go to all these other places. It's because there's always a search for something greater than us. But I'm here to tell you, you can spend a hundred years on Mars, you can spend a thousand years on the moon or wherever you want to go, but you will not find the joy and peace that God desires for you to find until you allow Him to be the King of your life. Amen. Amen. He is the only answer to the hole in our heart. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, think about it. I mean, we, we want to search the stars, and He has a star. Right? I mean, when you think of Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 2, you see that it was, it was them, the, the Magi, uh, who was the Magi? A, a, a cast of wise men specializing in astronomy and astrology and natural sciences. And they come up to Jerusalem because they've been following a star for almost three years. Can you imagine, can you imagine that? And they get to Jerusalem. Now, this, this is, I'm not sure if they were wise about this. Because they go to the king 
a natural king, and they say, who is this born king of the Jews? Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm the boss, and somebody comes up and says, who's going to be the next boss? I'm like, wait a minute, am I not doing a good job? Right? I might get a little antsy inside. I might start thinking, wait a minute, whoa. Who's looking to take me out? Right? And so here are these wise men, the Magi, come to the king of Jerusalem, present Herod, and they say, who is this born king of the Jews? Now, now you know, Herod, in awe, I can't even imagine the shock that he feels, uh, begins to ponder, wait a minute, what, what are these guys talking about? So he calls the, the scribes, he calls the, the chief priests and says, what's this guy talking about? What are these men come? I mean, these are, you know, dignified men. They come with all of their wealth and all of their prestige and all their majesty from these far lands. So something's got to be about this. I mean, they have knowledge of something that I want to know about, right? And so in the midst of that, uh, these, these prophets are, uh, sorry, these scribes and, and priests begin to declare Mac, Micah chapter 5 2. There in Matthew chapter 2 and 6 it says, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will, sh who will shepherd my people Israel. Now look, what happens here is exactly what's happened throughout the centuries. It is exactly, and we'll go back to this in a few moments, this is exactly what happened in Psalms chapter 2. Why do the nations rage, right? Why? Because they look at their own authority and they realize that there's, their authority is limited, that there's an authority above their authority, come on. That there's a ruler above them and they don't like the idea that they've got to submit to somebody greater than them. Hmm. Come on. And so here they are, Jesus they follow the star, and, and, and this is to, to the place where Jesus is. And now Herod is upset, and guess what he does? Think of the, the atrociousness of what he does. He said, wait a minute. They, they, he begins to look and says, wait a minute. If, if they've been following this this long, then that means it could be any baby two years and younger in this, in this vicinity. And what does he do? He has to kill Why is it that the world wants to destroy this kingship? 
Why is it that the world wants to, do, to, to silence this voice? Because this is the very voice that God Himself speaks to us. And, and the world, the enemy doesn't want you to hear the voice of God. The enemy doesn't want you to be challenged and, and encouraged to hear the voice of God, to know that you are the people of God, to know that no matter what happens in this world, you are victorious. No matter what happens in society, that you have a place in glory, that you have a home with Him, that you are His children. Amen. Amen. I know I'm looking.
that when I beget something, it, it, it begins to look like me. It, it begins to look like me. If y'all see my 14-year-old picture, this kid right here looks like, I mean, even the hair looks like me. You got something to look forward to, son. So there's a difference between creation and begetting. He says, I have begotten you. In other words, you are of the same substance. You are part of me. You are the third person or the, the second person of the Trinity. You are all of that. Come on. We need to realize that we're not just serving a human being. We're not just, uh, we're not just talking about a fairy tale Jesus. We're talking about the King of kings and Lord of lords. Right. We're talking about the King of glory. I mean, even Colossians chapter 1, 16 through 17 talks about how that everything was created for him and by him. All things were created. He is the creative force of God that has created all things. Wow. Wow. I mean, Hebrews chapter 1, 8 and 9 is quoting from Psalms 45, 6 and 7. It says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of, of, of brightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse goes, goes on and says, you, you have love, righteousness, and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 10 uh, through 12 Quoting from Psalms 102, literally talks about that everything was created from Him. This is, this is a declaration of who He is. This is a declaration of deity. When we see uh, what the writer of Hebrews declares, he is saying, look, this is not an angel. This is not a created being. But this is the Son of the living God. This is the King. This is who we have been waiting on. This is the declaration and so Hebrews chapter 1 and 13 says, uh, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I have made your enemies my footstools. Mm. Wow. I mean, we can look. The world doesn't like it. We can look and we can see. Why does the nations rage? Psalms 2 and 1. Why does the nations rage or uproar? And the peoples devise a vain thing. I mean, look. Even there, it says, it's almost as if the psalmist is truly mystified by the question, why do the nations rage? I mean, don't they realize that if they would submit to this kingship, how glorious it would be? Don't they realize that if they would just surrender him, that, that the plans that he has for them would be much better than the plans that they have for themselves? This is what I need you to get. Because man makes plans for themselves, right? And we're too busy worrying about what's the next move. It's almost like we look at life as a game of chess and we're just trying to make sure we're, we're, we're making the right moves. And I'm here to tell you, when you submit yourself to the King of glory, that everything works out for your glory, for His glory, and for your good every single time. Quit being so frustrated with life. Just submit to God and let Him lead you. Live for Him in every circumstance. Give thanks to Him in every situation. Know that He is God and that He will work everything out. Amen. So the, the psalmist is literally mystified in the idea that why would these people rage? Why would they plot a vain thing? 
The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed one. His anointed saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. I mean, isn't that, doesn't that sound very much like the society we live in? I mean, let's cast off the restraints again. Isn't that what it means when it says that there's the people have no vision and no revelation and they cast off restraints? They find themselves unable to find victory. And that's what's really taking place in our society is that people have gotten to a mentality that they don't need God. And we saw that through our history the last 50 years of how God has been trying, they've been trying to take God out of everything. They try to take God out of our schools. You can't mention Jesus. And what they don't realize is that, that as Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come on. And so in other words, we can talk about a higher power. We can talk about God because God being general, because that could be Muhammad. That could be, you know, this one or that one. It could be some stone you set up in your house. I don't know, but they don't want to talk about Jesus because Jesus has an impact. Jesus means uh, the king. Jesus is something that they have to bow to. And, and so therefore they have devised a plan. And I, I want you to understand that this is a coordinated effort throughout the whole world to diminish Christianity. Yeah, yeah. You don't see them fighting against the Muslim faith. You don't see them fighting against Hinduism. You don't see them fighting against Buddha and all these other things. But everywhere you go, it's a constant war against Christianity. There's a reason. It's right here. Why do they strange? Why do they plot a vain thing? Why do they do that? Because they want to cast off. They think that Jesus is a bonded bringer. Right? I mean, look, when you were in the world, I know some of you guys have been like, you was two years old. You can't remember that before. But when you were in the world, what did you think of God? Bunch of do's and don'ts? Huh? What'd you think of God? If I, if I give my life to Him, I won't be happy anymore. We, we, we think of God as some, as some judge in the sky putting specific rules on us that we, that we can't live in freedom anymore, or at least the freedom in our minds of what we think is freedom. And so therefore we, we choose on our mindset is we want to cast off the restraints of, of this God over us. But what we don't realize is that in God is where we find true freedom. Amen. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because when we are walking in the flesh, we are bound to the flesh. Come on. We're bound to the propensities of what this flesh desires. Because, you know... We think of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are natural tendencies that we all have because we're born in the flesh. This is from the sin nature, right? And so therefore, what we don't realize is when we give ourselves to these natural tendencies, we find ourselves more depraved than we've ever found. You wonder why society continues to spiral and we act like, you know, why does this happen? Well, guess what? They're not Christian. They're going to do crazy things. They're going to submit to their, to their natural desires. Even Romans chapter 1 tells us that they, 
they gave up. Uh, they exchanged the glory of God, right, for the creature and the creator. These are natural things. These are going to happen. This is what's being said would happen. This is what was taking place. And, and so when we look here, it says they cast their cords from, from, from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. Wow. Now look, this is not God. Other than, <laughs> look what I'm going to do with him. This is a confidence. This is the confidence that God has in. I'm not de deterred from their actions. I'm not, I'm not changed or even challenged because of what they have done. I mean, think of this. It's like the strongest man in the contest. And this little wimpy guy comes up and says, I don't like you, I'm going to cast off that space. And the guy with one finger could probably thump him in the head and kill him. And so he kind of laughs at the idea. So what that should do for us is it should give us the confidence that no matter what this world does, we find ourselves in a confident God that he will reign forever. And in his confidence, he says, I have installed my king. I have installed my king on the throne. I have placed him in the in the position that I want him. And this, I mean, think about this. God gives a warning before every every action that He takes. That's what that, isn't that called grace? Aren't you, don't you realize that God warns us before, and He warns them. I mean, He He counters their derision, and He, and he looks at them and says, "Look." This is what I'm going to do. And this is how you're going to respond. Because if you don't, not going to be good. Every single time, I mean, look throughout history. David, Samson, all of them were given over and over multiple opportunities to hear the voice of the Lord and the warnings that God gave for them to turn their eyes to Him, to surrender and submit to Him. And so, once again, He's giving them this this word is giving them this, this, this opportunity to submit to the anointed one, the Christ. And so this is literally Christ speaking. And I'm closing. You better get up here. Because I could talk a little bit about this, my wonderful King Jesus. Come on. Mm. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree. Now, I want you to understand, this, this right here is a, is a transition. This is a transition. This is the, the son speaking. I, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. And the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, come home. I don't know about you, but sometimes we think of ourselves too highly than we should, don't we? Now therefore, kings, show discernment. Take more, take this warning. 
judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with children. Do homage to the Son that he, not, that he might not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. There's another word. Another verse that says, kiss the Son. So pay homage to kiss the sun. Now, that might sound weird, especially in our modern times. But if you like old century movies, kings and stuff like that, when they would come, the king would hold out the ring, right? And they would kiss the ring. Now, it can be looked at as a sign of submission, but on the other side of that, it can be looked at as a sign of alliance and friendship because the Bible tells the Greek brother the holy kiss. In Honduras when you meet somebody, I don't know about Corona's time, I haven't been back since Corona started. But when you greeted someone, when you uh, a male or female or the Greek, they would they would give a kiss on the side of the as a greeting. God, I don't have a jealous wife, right? <laughs> Thank God I wasn't jealous. It was a sign of friendship. I believe that when we're looking at these next few days, look, we can get caught up in the lights. We can get caught up in how many Christmas trees we can set up. We can get caught up in, do I get this person the right gift or that gift? We get caught up in all that. And man, I, I pray that somewhere over this season that we'll take the time to recognize that the King of Glory has come to this earth. And whether we recognize His reign as a sovereign reign or not, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is the Lord. Amen? Amen. And Jesus said it this way when He looked at His disciples in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16. He says, Who do they say that I am? Now, we looked and we saw what Mary said. We looked and we saw what the shepherds declared, what the angels declared. We saw the host we saw the Magi, how they came and what they declared. We saw the Father declare over the Son. But, but, but I really believe the most important question that we need to ask ourselves as we look at our life, because look, we can say a whole lot of things with our mouth, but do our actions line up with our mouth? Right. Who do you say that I am? Look, you can say what everybody else says. And, and, and guess what? You can be right. But who do you say I am? That's the biggest question. What does your actions state about me in your life? What does, what does your giving, what does your words, how... How in your service do you display me to the world? 
What does your worship look like? Does it truly declare that I am the king of your life? Who do you say that I am? Now we understand that Peter lively declared, You are the Christ. Was he saying, You are the Messiah? You're the king. You're the anointed one. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. Look, I can preach to you day after day after day after day about this King Jesus. But until you allow him to be your king, it's just words. It's just messages. At some point, we have to transition our life to say, you know what? I am no longer servant of myself. I'm no longer trying to do my own thing and better me. I'm here to live out for Jesus Christ. Now let him, let me help you with that big picture then, right? Because if you are living for Christ, guess what? You're going to find yourself better. Because if you're living for Christ, and He's the number one, remember this, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. Whose kingdom? The King's kingdom. When you seek to be in, in the kingdom of God, under the kingship of the Lord, that the king will make sure that provisions surround you. Come on, somebody needs to get that this morning. That the king will make sure that provisions surround you. The king will make sure that you're in the position, in the right place that you need to be at the right time because he takes care of his own. Amen? So we can look at all of how King Jesus was looked at and how he was anticipated and how the world responded to him. But ultimately, what it boils down to this morning is who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? And I pray this morning that if you don't have him in the throne room of your life, I'm not talking about some side room. I'm not talking about the sideshow Sunday. I'm talking about the throne room of your life, that He is in the center of your life every single day. That He's number one. That whatever decision you make is not based on is this going to be good for them? Is this going to be good for them? No. Every decision you make is, is this honoring of the Lord. Is King Jesus in the center of this decision? Because guess what? If he's in the center of it, everything is going to work out. Everything is going to come together. Amen? So my question to you this morning, is Jesus where he needs to be in your life? And if he's not, I pray this morning that you would not leave this place until you set him in the throne of your life. Father, 
Lord, I don't want to grieve you in any way. But Lord, I feel the necessity of inviting some people to make a decision for you this morning. And Lord, it may not be that they haven't heard. It may not be that they have not even stated that they believe you. But Lord, this morning, it's about a repositioning. This morning is about an alignment of making sure their life is aligned with the very plans that you've placed intact for them. And this morning I pray that if there's someone that's unaligned, that you have that you have not been placed on the throne in their heart and in their room. That today, Jesus, they will surrender to you and make you the king of their life. If you'll keep your eyes closed for a moment, if you'd say, Pastor, this morning, my life is not where it needs to be. I don't have Jesus on the throne of my life. I'm full of worry, full of fear. I'm not living as if he's the number one. And I need you in my heart this morning. Would you make that known by lifting your hand right now? Jesus. Holy Spirit, cleanse 
and purify and wash us, purify us. May we be sanctified for the purpose of serving in the kingdom plan. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. I'm thankful for you. I pray that today you've been challenged to draw near to the Lord, to make Him number one in your life. I pray that you'll come every Sunday with an expectation. Look, don't come. Well, if the music's good, I'll worship. Come already worshiping. And let's see the hand of God stir this place up even more and more for Him. Amen? I love you guys. I pray you've had a blessed Thanksgiving. Over the next few weeks, we have several events. Make sure you look at your bulletin to know what those events are. Don't come and say, when's that happening? It's more than likely in your bulletin. Look at it. Get connected. Find a place. We want you to be a part. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.